Hello and welcome back to the Science of Magic podcast. I'm your host, Merlin the 77th, and today we have an exciting episode for our listeners. I'm here with representatives of the twin schools of magic of the Discworld universe, the Witches and Wizards. The esteemed Mrs. Geetha Og is here to represent the Witches Coven, and we are graced with the presence of the infamous Mustrum Ridiculi, Arts Chancellor of the Unseen University himself on behalf of the Wizarding Schools. Call me Nanny. Everybody does. And of course, call me Mustrum. There's no need for formalities for those at the tops of their fields, such as us, eh, old chap? Um, right. Well, welcome to the show, both of you. We're going to go through our list of standard questions. Then, if we have some time, our listeners will send in their queries. Sound good? Of course, dearie. Quite right. All right, then. First of all, how does magic work in your schools? Well, that's very easy to ex- Excuse me, madam, but I believe he was asking me. Oh, he was looking right at me. But I am clearly the more important. After all, I run my own university, while you are merely a second in command. I'm sure you think so. Please no arguments on the show. Mustrum, Nanny Og did begin speaking first. Why don't we let her finish and you can go first on the next question. And there's the voice of reason. Very well. Please continue. We witches draw our power from the world around us. That said, most of our magic isn't magic in the traditional sense. Oh? Witches are primarily problem solvers. We help people when they need it, and oftentimes what they need is not just some instantaneous gratification, but an actual solution to their problem. Medicine and debate are the primary tools of our trade. Although, when that fails, magic is, of course, an excellent fallback. Interesting. But isn't illusion a form of magic? Quite right, dearie. Sometimes the best magic is the most mundane kind. Thank you, Nanny. Moostrum, how does wizarding work? I'm glad you asked. Magic is a complicated device motivated entirely by your strength of character. It is also bound by general principles of physics as much as anything else. Really? Yes, cause and effect and all that. The reason it takes so long to learn is you have to know how to, say, levitate a rock without the magical pushback levitating your brain out your ear. Ah, so it's dangerous to use, then. Not any more so than a good crossbow, my dear boy. After all, you can easily shoot yourself in the foot if you don't know what you're doing. And a similar principle applies to magic. But it is admittedly more powerful than a crossbow, yes? So then the metaphorical shot in the foot is potentially much worse. Precisely, which is why we keep close tabs on our students and insist upon a proper education to ensure their success. There's more to success than knowing how to cast a spell. Perhaps, but not knowing how would leave one at a massive detriment. That's why we founded the universities, to ensure a proper education for every wizard. Of course. Now I must ask you both, 
How do your members organize themselves? Is there a hierarchy or is it more likely that natural leaders will lead? That would imply that there is a difference. We wizards organize ourselves into strict offices, each within their own individual role within the university. For instance, I am the Arch-Chancellor at Unseen University, making me the head of the entire school. Other offices include the Bursar, who maintains the budget, the Librarian, who of course keeps track of the magical tomes, and various lecturers who teach on different topics. So rather strict, then. Of course. Power should go to the most learned and talented. As such, we also classify wizards according to level, based upon their, well, learnedness and talent. Personally, I find this a tedious system, but knowing who's appropriate for a particular task or office is rather useful. I imagine so. Nanny Og, do the witches have a similar system? Not at all, dearie. I'm not sure how the wizards can stand all that competition, all that raw power. Crammed into a single space, we witches function more akin to a guild, with experienced witches taking the lead where necessary and taking on budding witches as a sort of apprenticeship. It better prepares them for life, having to do without a huge institution, and we can pass on all sorts of tidbits that would get missed in a classroom. So, no established leadership then? I should think not. I'd rather swim in a bog than be forced to follow some of those women, no matter how skilled they may be. I'm sure there's no small number feels the same about me. The collective noun for which is, is, after all, an argument. So, how are decisions made, then? We usually burn that bridge when we come to it. It's very rare that there's a situation requiring more than one witch to deal with it. When that does happen, the decision-making process varies from coven to coven, but in ours, as most, we do things somewhat democratically, although there's always that one woman who thinks that she's a leader. Of course there is. Now there's one peculiarity about magic on the disc that I've heard of and wanted to ask about. Is it true that each school is limited to one gender? Yes, dearie. Is it really so hard to imagine that no witch would want to be stuck with some university having her head filled with drivel when she could be out learning real practical skills? Or that no right-thinking wizard would be caught dead, curing pigs and living in hobbles when they could be learning how to control the heavens themselves? Sheep. What? It's usually sheep that we have to deal with. Pigs know better than to get in too much trouble. I'm sure that knowledge is of the utmost use when eldritch horrors are trying to invade our world. Please, could we keep the arguing to a minimum? I'm a witch, dearie. It's what we do. I'm just having a bit of sport, old chap. I appreciate that, but we're getting off track. If we must. Very well. One final question before we open it up to the listeners. What are some applications of your magics? Magic, of course, has limitless applications. From keeping the fabric of the universe stitched together, to running this newfangled contraption over the High Energy Magics building. Hey, or some such darned thing. Capable of answering questions and calculations, apparently.
Ah, I've heard of Hex. Tell us more about this wonderful machine. One moment, I've got a note on this somewhere here. Ah, yes, thank you, Stibbins. So the machine runs, rather remarkably, upon ants, which are sorted into various glass tubes, depending on what you tell the machine, which then creates some kind of a model for it to interpret. Fascinating. What powers it? Haven't the foggiest, honestly. My speciality is more along the lines of actual spellcasting than applied magics. Raggy. <laughs> Fair enough. Nanny, do the witches have their own hex? We prefer to garner our knowledge straight from the source, learning from the animals and the world itself instead of some abomination. I see. So what are some interesting applications of witchcraft? Well, we can make some damn good cheese if I do say so myself. Very practical. Thank you. Alright, so the first question from our listeners is from Gandalf from the Shire, and he asks, Are there different disciplines of magic? Not so strictly as such, but as every person is good at different things, so are witches. Some of us are excellent with potions, others with medicine, and some of us even fight particularly well. And I assume cheese is one such specialty? <laughs> of course, Yuri. <laughs> At Unseen University, we specialize quite heavily. Obviously, not everyone is good at everything, so specialization allows different wizards to focus on what they are good at and, once they become experts, of course, teach what they know best. It's, uh, what should you call it? Win-win situation? Yes, that's it. It's a win-win situation. Excellent. Well, our next question is from one Ferengar's secret fire from Nern. He wants to know what everyday applications of magic look like on the disc. Well, I don't know about every day, but it can certainly be useful to levitate past a crowd or close a demon spawning portal. I can see how that might be useful. Nanny Og? We mostly deal in everyday problems, but well, everyday problems are best solved with everyday solutions. I see. Well, that's all we have time for, listeners. I hope you had fun and learned some new things about magic. Next week, we'll interview Radagast the Brown of Middle-Earth. Good night, all, and keep casting those spells.